Coming to you from beautiful Flagstaff, Arizona, this is the Drinking Horn Meadcast. Join us as we take a deeper dive into mead and mead culture. like the best of friends oh, I don't know that song what you don't I, know Willie Nelson I just know on the road again he didn't smoke enough weed growing up growing up <laughs> like no I did like not as a kid as like, like a seven-year-old child no <laughs> no I did not oh you should have grown up in Albuquerque Albuquerque cool we are on the road again field trip day our version of a field trip is going down wearing two layers of long sleeved clothing in 100 degree weather and getting stung by bugs oh we're gonna get stung today i hope not (laughs) i kind of i'm i'm leaning both ways on that because recently there's an article that came out that said that uh bee stings or bee venom getting stung basically a couple of times could help protect you against COVID-19. Which I find awesome. I like the, uh, I like the, you know, there's more obviously more evidence needed before it's something that we can totally like jump behind 100%, but it's very much a uh, really, really cool thing that they're starting to find. So what was it? It was four or 5,000 beekeepers in Wuhan. Is that where the study was, was originated? In the, yeah, the province around, it started with an H, I forget what it was, but exactly, but yeah, around Wuhan, um, a couple thousand beekeepers were surveyed and uh, zero of them had ever contracted or had symptoms of, of COVID and they're right in the, right in the mix of it. Right in the thicket. Yeah. And so it was, and then they went out and they uh, talked to a couple of uh, apotherapy places. What's apotherapy? It is when you go and intentionally have bees sting you for their <laughs> medical properties. Being like, usually it's a, like a arthritis and stuff like that that people say it helps, um, that it can help joint issues in general. I hope you just caught that little pop as I tried to move my fingers, because oh. that's exactly what it's supposed to help is the, <laughs> the yeah. arthritis. Yeah, you need some, some bee sting therapy. I'll make sure and do that to you today when you're not looking. Excellent, excellent. So the, yeah, the uh, apotherapy places, they went and uh, surveyed the people that work there because they self therapize therapize themselves self therapeutiate they, <laughs> they self therapeutiate themselves and then also they talk to their uh, clients or patients or whatever you would call them and uh, none of them had symptoms either of the ones that they that they looked at and uh, a couple of those patients actually lived in Wuhan and so anyway that's obviously anecdotal and needs to be tested further but um, to have zero out of all of those people is, is pretty impressive. Now, you brought up the fact that beekeepers are kind of... Uh, not antisocial anyway. Antisocial, yeah. We're kind of weird people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, well, that's for another discussion, but <laughs> they might not be out and about and be exposed. But the article also said that some of them, it wasn't a high number, but a few of them, a handful were had family members that had contracted it and they had known exposure that's the biggest thing i'd like to see is is looking into that yeah it's definitely it's something that's super super interesting to me and it is right now it's it's what do we call it as uh correlative not causative 
I think that's the, the terms where it's like you can see two things that definitely are lining up, but you don't yet know if they actually like play a factor into each other. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's kind of where the, the research is going now is trying to find if there's something something in there. There was also, well, that, that's a whole different subject. I'm yeah. just going to stop myself right there. Well, the saying that I used to tell my students and, and a lot of people say is um, correlation is not causation. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like the number of, uh, so if you look at a chart of ice cream sales, it goes up at the same rate as murders throughout the year, but it's just because it's summertime. Yeah, it's just because that, that's a perfect example of it, where two things are linked statistically as far as, you know, increase or decrease, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're actually related whatsoever. Yeah. So we are on a journey to kind of get back on track. We're on the 17, the I-17 heading south. Um, it is, it's going to be toasty. Yeah, yeah, it's got probably going to be 100, 100 degrees by the time we get down there. We left Flagstaff and it was 76, supposedly. It's now 85, and I bet it'll be 95 or 100 by the time we get down there. And it's funny because that's only, what's, what's the sign here say? Ah, uh, that's eight miles away. Oh, wait. No, that's the wrong highway. 18 miles away. 18 miles away. So you can, you can increase 15 degrees in this state just by driving 15 miles. And that is pretty much 15 miles downhill. So that's the thing. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so what's the journey about today? What's the goal that we're looking at? Mostly, I would, I would say the goal, with fingers and toes crossed, is that we are going to be um, removing honey from this hive. Uh, it's been doing pretty well, but at the same time, we haven't been down here in at least three weeks, and that's not good because three weeks and the cycle of a bee is a very, very long time. We could have totally lost our hives in three weeks period. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, it's way too long to leave them without looking at them. Um, now, I'm not the most, I'm not the most bestest beekeeper out there. Um, you know, the whole trying to run drinking horn at the same time makes it a little, little busy. There's some things that get in the way every now and then, like every few minutes. <laughs> but um, I'm happy to sneak away today to get down there and do this. So that's what we're hoping is that we're pulling honey off. It could be that we're going down and mitigating a crisis for all we know. But, um, but we're hoping that we go down there and the bees are nice and happy and making lots of honey. And uh, we're able to pull some, pull some boxes off, pull some honey off, and add some new fresh empty boxes for them to start working on. Nice, cool. Yeah, so fingers crossed, uh, all that's good. And they, when we left them last, when we were there last, there was, um, you know, the, the trees were just in full bloom. They were starting to really get after it. Yeah. Um, those, do you expect, you don't expect those to still be in bloom? No, so everything that's in the orchard right there is not going to be in bloom. We're recording this like uh, mid to end of June in 2020. Um, we've had a really piss poor year for uh, precipitation so far. I mean, we had pretty good snow year, good snowpack, but um, we, we haven't had any rain in, how, what, two, yeah. three months, four months? I don't even remember last time. I really don't. Yeah, but that's the desert, you know. We. Everybody else, you live in Seattle, you look up and you see that blue sky during the summertime and people like jump for joy. I've actually, the rumor was always that like people in the Northwest got uh, Sundays 
So it was like when the sun would come out, they would call a day off school so that people could go out and actually enjoy the sun what? and everything. That's what I heard. I think it's during a specific time of year. It might be like the, the fall, fall semester or something like that. Huh. But uh, that was always the rumor. I don't know that that's true. You all need to let us know. That could be that could be some made up Evan shit. <laughs> but here we uh, we look up in the summertime and we would rather not see the blue skies. No, I think we get we get 300 plus days of blue sky. I mean, I'm there's there's smoke in the air right now from all the fires burning. But, yeah, uh, there isn't a cloud, not a single one. Nope. Yeah, there are some fires burning, but um, is that so? The orchard won't be in bloom, but there's probably plenty of other flowers. Yeah. So uh, one of the biggest ones right now, actually, we're driving past one right there. That's cat's claw. You can see the little uh, yellow flowers that are on it that are blooming right now, um, and that should be doing doing really well for a long time here for the next month or so. Um, so it's it's colloquial name, I guess you would say, is the the cat's claw. And it's because it that plant will tear you to shreds. It is very, very pokey. Obviously, the bees don't care because the spikes on this thing are, are just huge. Uh, ooh, look, shiny Bentley. Yeah, so the... Um the cat claw acacia, I've also heard it called wait a minute bush because as you walk by it grabs you and it's like, wait a minute. Yeah, it snags it snags into your clothing. Like I'm pretty sure that ripstop pants were invented, like ripstop ripstop clothing was invented like for the southwest. I mean it's a cat's claw. Like yeah. the little thorns are are hooked and curved. Some of them are long, you know, some of them are about, you know, half an inch, three quarter inch long. So they're significant. <laughs> terrors of the flesh the only plant that i think is uh worse out here in the desert is the the locust you know the locust tree yeah new mexican locust yeah Ooh. i i go through canyons a lot and they love the area around canyons um i would i would have to disagree i would have to say the worst one for me is the jumping choya oh yeah yeah i don't like the choya and uh i fell into one as a kid actually yeah yeah i was trying to play around on a wall that was all surrounded by cactus because it was exciting to do so <laughs> but i fell in so it's uh anytime you have to have somebody when it takes six hours and a pair of pliers to pull all the uh, spines out of your back eh, you stop liking that plant so much you know it's, uh, yeah so not on, not on my top favorite i got left after uh one one summer field one summer season in the field working for fish and wildlife i got so torn up on the arms from uh, locust like i looked like one of the i looked like some sort of a sword fighter out of a fantasy novel or something like that like it was oh. just it was rugged Man. i also didn't like wearing sleeves so yeah yeah locust is rugged but you must have been in some in some thicket yeah but we'll we'll see a lot of the acacia they've got these little there's a couple different species of acacia here in the sonoran desert um but this one has the little puff balls like the is that what they are yeah they're like little puff balls and they do pretty good for uh honey production this time of year um we'll get stuff kind of wild stuff blooming pretty much from now until august september and then it'll kind of, it'll really depend, as we get into August, it'll, it'll really start to depend on how much precipitation we're getting as to, to how much goes out. Because plants don't always produce the same volume of nectar, um, depending on, I mean, it can be time of day even, can change the amount. There's certain flowers that will only produce nectar in the morning. They're still producing pollen all day, but they only produce nectar in the morning. Nectar is very expensive for plants to produce, and so they try to time when they're producing it to maximize their own fecundity um, 
So we'll see, but like we should have pretty good flowers where these bees are at from now until possibly November. Um, but we'll kind of see because sometimes you get uh, the next thing to really go up is the um, salt cedar. Unfortunately, it goes up. It does actually a decent amount of nectar on it. Um, it's a big, the old tamarisk. The old tamarisk. Yeah, nasty, nasty plant. Not a big fan of that one either. But at least it doesn't uh, doesn't try to kill you. So it's a, a non-native out here that is pretty detrimental to other other plants. They're actually pretty beneficial to some of the birds out here because um, they tend to make pretty great nesting homes. The willow flycatcher. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Not boom, ding, ding, ding. Sorry. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Don't, don't shoot that bird. Boom, boom, let me hear you say ayo. Ayo. Boom, 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 let me hear you say ayo. Ayo. I don't know the rest of it. Yeah. Ayo. Okay. Ayo. Boom, boom. Uh, so the the salt cedar or the tamarisk will be blooming soon, and so they'll go after some of that. Yeah, That's right along the edge of uh, that would be along the edge of the Verde River, isn't it? A, a very it's is it found in other places besides right on the banks of water? I don't think so. No. I don't think I've ever known it to be anywhere else but along the along the banks of of rivers, streams, ponds, you name it. Agua. Agua. Cool. So we're heading down. I can already feel the heat. Uh, turn the AC off on the truck uh, so we couldn't get the noise on the mic, but um, that might change here pretty soon. Uh, you were talking about the um, the the flowers and, and depending on their blooming, or the plants and depending on their blooming and flowering. That's kind of cool. I just read an article that talked about um, research that's going on right now. They're looking at bumblebees and what they do, what they'll do is if the flowers aren't coming out, if the plant isn't flowering soon enough for them, they will go and injure the leaves. They'll like cut little holes in the leaves, which causes the plant to flower quicker. How rad is that? That's really cool. We would do studies on stuff by like, um mostly on oxygen intake and respiration on plants when I was in college. And that was like one of the things you would do is you would, you know, mutilate this plant a little bit and see how it reacts and see how it, it changes its cycle. So that's really cool. Like the bee is on some level or another figured out and understood how to manipulate the plant into working for them. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really neat. I didn't know you did that. So you're you're like a little Evan Bumblebee. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't look upon it quite quite as fondly as that. You always feel kind of bad um, torturing plants into seeing their reactions, but all for science. Science. Cool. So all right, well uh, let's turn the AC on. I'm starting to sweat a little bit, even though it's stupid. We should get used to it because we're going to be sweating so much. We are. I'm going to leave it off. We're just going to keep sweltering away. It's nine. It's 92 now since we were last talking about the uh, the temperature. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a hot one, uh, but stick with us. Thanks for listening into the, this Meadcast episode. I promise we will be talking more about bees uh, and less about, I mean, it's cool stuff learning about plants and, and that kind of, you know, ecosystem stuff. They're important. That's yeah. important. I'm not a big plant person myself, to be honest with you. Uh, most of my extent of plants is around what I can eat and what will kill me. Um, but like, it's really important, you know, nothing, nothing functions in isolation. We have such a tendency in science to want to compartmentalize things and, uh, to get a full understanding, you have to both have the compartmentalization component as well as like its functionality as a gear in a larger system. Yeah. So we can work backwards. 
we're a meadery, we make mead. Mead is made from honey. Honey comes from bee digestion. Bees need to uh, get the, the pollen to ha and nectar to have that happen. That comes from a plant. Plants need a flower. We can go all the way backwards. Uh, it is all important. It is all encompassing. Hopefully you guys learn that as children, that we're all connected and everything's connected. And uh, yeah, but all right, cool. Well, next stop, uh, Camp Verde Beehives. You, you, you got something else to say? Nope. Oh. I'm just, I'm excited for bees now. Now that we've been talking about it a little bit, dancing around the subject of bees, I'm yeah. ready. I'm ready. We've been buzzing around the subject? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we are suited up, or you're, you're getting finished suit, suiting up in the bee suit. It is, it's warm, but we're embracing it, right? Yeah, it's only like 100 degrees. Yeah. Some people pay for hot yoga. Yeah, and we're, uh, we'll be stretching. <laughs> A little bit, so it's uh, you can. Limits of our sanity. Now, <laughs> now no, it'll actually it should be pretty good. We're gonna see just what's going on today. Uh, we're gonna bring a bunch of stuff over with us, um, and possibly have to schlep it all back. Like I said, it's been too long since we've seen this hive, so we don't actually know. We don't know what it's gonna look like. Could look just fine. Could look terrible. We could be crying and drinking the rest of the way through the afternoon, mm. or we could be celebrating because uh, and drinking and probably crying still because we got so much honey out of this hive. We'll see. Nice. We could be leaving with pounds of honey. Now I have seen. I saw one bee, so I saw a tiny bit of activity. Um, well, I don't even know if you call that activity or not, but uh, and we're about. Uh, I'd say we're about 150 yards away from the beehive, maybe. Uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll see soon. The cicadas, you can hear them in the background. Um, the diesels. Here comes a diesel truck. And uh, all right, so T minus a uh, couple more minutes. And yeah, me holding this thing, it totally looks like a Geiger counter. Yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah. look, we look like we're straight out of Stranger Things. T minus a couple minutes, and we'll, we'll let you guys know how the hive looks. Oh. I'm, not, oh. I'm not turning off the air conditioning this time. No, let, let the noise flow. <laughs> well, <laughs> Evan. <laughs> it was good. I'm gonna say overall a win. Uh, I didn't get any further into the hive than just the top box because it got too hot for me. Um, but we got through the top box, which I don't know, it took us 40 minutes or something to get through the top box. And we've got uh, a whole deep box worth of honey. So probably right. 50, 60 pounds of honey. All right, hold on, hold on. <laughs> you're, you're acting way too fucking chipper right now. Yeah, putting on the face. That's called putting on the face. Yeah, we well, don't have to. You can be comfortable here. Well, that's good, because I just threw up from a little bit of heat exhaustion. But, you know, it's you, okay. That, you're not m making a metaphor. <laughs> or a hyperbole. No, no, no. Just puked inside of the bee hood from heat exhaustion. Dude. <laughs> I was going to let you say it. I wasn't going to bring it up. Evan carried this 60-ish, give or take, you know, 10 pounds, 60-ish pound, buzzing, stingy, heavy, honey-packed box about 150 yards to the truck. I asked him a question halfway, and he goes, can't talk. And he's just going, going, going. And I go, can you set it down, take a break? No. And he just keeps going, keeps going. And, and then I, uh, I get all the way to the back of the truck, set the honey box uh, in the tailgate, and then uh, walk about two steps away and puke in my hood. But I was leaning over when I did it. I'm, I'm a bit of a master when it comes to throwing up. So, okay, first off, I heard the noise of you throwing up, 
and I immediately was concerned. I thought you got stung like like 20 times and that was your reaction. <laughs> no, no, I've been stung 20 times in a row before. Luckily, that is not my reaction. I just swell up and look beautiful. So you're leaning over, you puke, and uh, that- and you have to help me out of my hood. Holding the hair back. Holding the hair, yeah, exactly. Yeah, holding the hair back. This time I was holding your hood back, kind of. I, I yeah. un unzipped you. Yeah, it was pretty gross, right up against the screen there. Yeah. It's, uh, I hope everyone learns from this, because I'm never sure that I will. So that, hopefully somebody else does. Uh, that's good. Let's talk while this air conditioning, you whatever, know, you, cools down and blasts. Um, give, me, uh, give me three lessons for today. Um, a, if you're going to be working in the middle of the summer, make sure you get out early, because we're we're sitting here it's just about noon right now it's just too hot to be working and you got to remember we're in a state where it gets light at four o'clock in the morning because we hate daylight savings time <laughs> and uh i think the second one is more hydration beforehand for sure um so you know operate at the proper time of day to be operating at make sure you bring bring plenty of water with you um as well as uh don't push it ask for help when you need help and uh yeah yeah. yeah, I was right there. Bring a cart. That's what we're going to do next time is I'm going to bring a cart. Because I think we got more boxes of honey just out of this hive, but um, it's it's just too hot out there. It's yeah. too hot to be working right now. Yeah. Yeah. So my one of my lessons I want to add as a, uh, you know, digital media creator, whatever. I've, that sounded really fancy. Basically me filming and <laughs> taking pictures. Um, if you're going to work hives, maybe get a third person to do that or just – I basically I – I uh, stickified the camera. I stickified my camera. I'm not gonna say I messed it up, but we'll see. Um, we'll goof off. Propolis, and it's not honey. It's no. propolis. Yeah. Or propolis. Propolis. I don't know. Yeah. Metropolis. We jump up and we hip hip the hopadis. Bees are buzzing. Have a rock and rapping hippopotamus. Hip 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 hop anonymous. <laughs> um, yeah, the propolis. As I'm talking, I can the feel the moisture just being done yeah, in my. I'm having a little. Yeah, a little bit of a hard time with my words. All right, let, let's <laughs> let's sure. uh let's stop this recording and get some water. All uh, right, so nice and relaxing time in West Clear Creek after it's kind of tradition, right? Yeah, yeah, especially on uh, when we do something dumb like work bees in the middle of it. Oh, it's 104 out, is what it is. 104, yeah, middle of June down in the Verde Valley. Still beautiful. We're looking off to the left. There's the Cottonwoods and the Fremont. Uh, sycamores. Uh, yeah. Nice and relaxed now. Got in the water. Did a little fishing. Man, you you were two for two. Your first two casts. Right? And then I didn't catch anything after that. But well, it works out that way sometimes. You caught a, you caught a, a refreshment. Yeah, I caught a refreshment. Caught, uh, caught a crayfish creeping up on me. Yeah, those crayfish were pretty big. We had to come out and have a boil. Yeah. Invasive species. I don't feel bad about about cooking them up. No, no, not at all. Invasive out here. You know, it's funny because there's places where they're trying to keep the crayfish right now because they're losing them. And uh, out here, they're a nuisance species. So I say eat them all. Yeah. Yeah, eat them all. Um, they, yeah, they're... They outcompete for some species. They also, I've heard this, I don't know how true this is, but that they, the black hawks that we have that roam around will eat them and they're nutritionally pretty terrible for really? for the, for predator, for um, uh, birds of prey. Huh. 
and uh, so they'll sit there and they'll eat them, and they're not they're not very nutritional for them. So so they they outcompete like uh, your trichoptera, plecoptera, your all your like bugs that normally live in a river system under the rocks in there. They eat the same stuff that those guys do. So they do definitely like food compete in that way because the trout and the bass, whatever's in the water, would normally be eating those little bugs that are hiding under the rocks and stuff. And with uh, crayfish taking up all of the available nutrients, you. Uh, all of the fish we caught today were giants. <laughs> <laughs> On opposite day. <laughs> yeah, they're little tiny fish. Uh, partly that's just high fishing pressure in Arizona at anywhere there's water. And uh, the other part is that there's, you know, there's not a ton of food for them in there because the crayfish have a stranglehold on, on all the nutrients. Yeah, we're trying not to have them have a stranglehold on our toes. Yeah, yeah, they can get a little pinchy sometimes. They've, they've got a lot of gall in the rivers around here. A lot of gall. A lot of gall. So It was nice oh. to relax, though, after working the bees because it got pretty hot there. Yeah, as we heard earlier. Yeah, yeah, it got a little warm. Got a little warm. So just wanted to debrief a little bit. Um, you know, just kind of what we saw, what we learned, and then what are some next steps. So uh, what were some major things that stick out in your head about this trip besides <laughs> besides the heat? Yeah, besides the heat, um, they're doing great. So right now, even without having any sort of water, um, I mean, they have water sources relatively close, so the bees are not thirsty at this location. Um, but they, uh, and they also seem to have a whole lot of food. They're stockpiling honey like crazy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, who knows? We could have possibly taken a whole nother box with us today, but it's never, a bad idea to leave them with a, a lot of honey either um, one of these days like our, our excluder is currently on top of our third box in that hive and we should bring it down a little bit more uh, so by doing that you would make available two boxes for honey just and true. two boxes for brood yeah correct yeah and that way you'd have I mean because all the brew boxes will still have a little bit of honey kind of around the edges you know what I mean um, <clears throat> or sometimes it's the brood around the edges, but they tend to mix them in those boxes. So I'm just sorry to interrupt, but um, some of the listeners out there might not know what we're saying when we say brood, B-R-O-O-D. What, what are we talking about? We do do a lot of brood, don't we? Whether it's brood mead or we have bee brood. And bee brood is just a term that's used for them when they're in their larval stage. Little babies. Little worm babies. They don't have wings or anything. They're just this little white. I mean, they look like... Yeah, yeah, it's a little gross. Like maggots? That's, yeah, I was going to avoid the maggot word. I paused for a little while, but yeah, maggots. They yeah. Definitely, they definitely look very much like that. There's a lot of insects that do that. I mean, every beetle that you see started out as looking like a little maggot grub. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I think I might have started out like a grub. <laughs> Cool. So what stood out to you is that they're doing really well. Uh, we were a little bit concerned, um, interested yeah. to see what we were going to come upon, but they're doing well. They got a lot of honey. They seem to be um, very responsive. Yeah. And they were really, really like you can you can tell the attitude of that hive specifically because like when they are not producing honey, they are so angry. <laughs> so, so angry. But it's different this time. Yeah. Uh, we didn't even have any clinging to us. You know, I didn't I didn't even think I was getting dive bombed at all. They yeah. really didn't care at all. Basically, that we were in there. We were just kind of I'm in your space. Bees don't mind us. Yeah, I noticed that as a difference. Absolutely. I was a little worried as I'd go down there to take a few uh, photos down by the entrance at the bottom. And usually when I do that, they kind of like all come out and, you know, check me out and check out the camera as soon as I turn it on. But um, yeah, it was very calm. Yeah, very calm today. So that's good, which like I said, it's also, you know, most likely that's not, not everything's always related, but 
That generally means that the hive is doing pretty well when they're not, not super angry. It certainly means that they're not short on food right now. So, so they're doing pretty good. And then we dropped a couple more boxes on top of it. So you take, take off a box and add a box basically, right? And we added two boxes. We took off one box and added two boxes. And with any luck, we can come back down in about three weeks again and uh, pull off another 80 or 100 pounds out of those two boxes. So total above the excluder now, there's two boxes? Yep, yeah, two boxes now above the excluder. Now, oh, wait, no, no, I'm wrong. We have one big one. We have So we have one deep box, which is like the 10 inch deep. And then we have two supers is what people call them. And those are like the, the skinnier ones. Um, they're easier to, easier to separate the comb out from the honey and everything with those because they fit in the uh, big machine that our honey guy has <laughs> okay that will we should make an episode uh, strictly talking about the bee boxes and the different you know different styles and because I don't know what you're talking about right now but I don't necessarily want an explanation right now this is just a trip but so we've got um, the potential for more honey next time we come back yep yeah a lot of potential for more honey and it looks like they're doing pretty well um, we weren't able to split this hive at the beginning of the year which I was really hoping to do but things got kind of weird um, so that's <laughs> slightly with uh, Corona. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Corona, and then you know, try the meat to hall. build out the meat hall, every, everything. So is it? Busy. Is it next, uh, next year? Okay, so there's a specific time. If you want to turn one hive into two, you need to do that at a specific time of year. Yeah, and I don't know. There's probably folks that would disagree with me on that, but like, uh, I tend to think that summertime or springtime, or early spring, is the best time to do it. And you know, that probably also depends on what your flower availability is around you. Um, for us, some of the best flowers are in the springtime, and so we kind of need to get get them split so that they have enough time to be as healthy as absolutely possible before you get into the the days of lean. And so cool so i look forward to that next year uh or next spring or whenever uh just to learn another process and and continue to to you know i don't know work these bees and and learn from you and learn from the process and all this stuff so hopefully everyone out there is enjoying learning about bees too if anyone out there deals with bees uh let us know i'd love to have you on for an episode if you either you know rear your own bees rear what would you say i say rear keep it's like husbandry yeah yeah keep rear your own bees um or know someone who does or anything like that i don't know sit us up we like having the conversation so heading back up the hill back to flagstaff uh, it'll feel that much nicer and cooler up there now yeah it is now 107 down here so uh it'll be it'll be nice to i bet it's not even 90 degrees back in flagstaff oh i hope not oh, so. i hope not uh, cool. Well, another successful trip. Uh, a little bit of mead, uh, a little bit of river, and a, a whole lot of bees. So look forward to uh, more episodes from the B-Boys. All B-Boys coming at you. Ooh, 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 ooh.